This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> you suffered a loss, the loss of a child. It is a terrible place to be. I am so sorry that you are here. I am sorry that you are going through this. Your child may have recently passed away, or it may have been years ago. The loss of a child is as deep as it gets. Grief is deep and aching when they are no longer with us. You may believe there is no consolation. Not even believing that you will see them again removes the pain that your child is gone. I understand. I have been through all of this and more. Valeria Tellis interviews Peggy Green, the author of Life After Child Loss, The Mother's Survival Guide to Cope and Find Joy. Peggy Green is a mother, teacher, survivor, speaker, and leader who has overcome the odds. She is an Amazon best-selling author who has experienced the loss of not just one child, but two. Her first child by accident in 1991 and her son by suicide in 2018. Her mission is to make an impact and help others grieving the loss of their child. Her book, Life After Child Loss, The Mother's Survival Guide to Cope and Find Joy, alongside her Thursday's Thoughts publication, has helped hundreds of readers in their grief journey. She has experienced significant challenges in her life, resulting in the creation and development of her Hope and Healing After Loss program. For the past 14 years, she has been coaching in fitness, nutrition, and grief. She could be found on the training floor challenging clients to do better, in a consultation teaching the correlation between health and nutrition, or showing compassion to a mother who lost a child. Her passion is to share her Hope and Healing After Loss program, where she helps grieving moms move through their loss. She shows how she overcame her own challenges and offers realistic and applicable practices that helps others to heal. She is inspiring and a true example that there is hope. Peggy has donated blood almost 100 times because it is the right thing to do. Although she is a Colorado native, she does not ski. She prefers warm weather activities such as hiking, biking, camping, and playing pickleball. She lives in Highlands Ranch, close to our two grown girls and grandchildren. Peggy Green holds bachelor's degrees in business marketing and exercise science. Meet Peggy at theegriefspecialist.com. Here's the interview with Peggy Green. In your own words, who is Peggy Green? 
Oh, well, thank you. So I am a passionate woman about living life and it's so full of joy in what I'm doing now. I love that I get to help others navigate their grief, spend time with my family and have a hope and a future. I love that you use the word love. I have heard somebody say, I think it was written by an unknown, unknown person. They said, grief is the price of love. That was the end of the poem or the phrase that he or she wrote. Do you agree? Yes. The more that I dig into grief is the more that I discovered that relationship that somebody has with a person who has passed and gone on before them yeah. is so embedded in the relationship and the love that was in between the two of them. Would you say that that is um, an expression of love that is mired in pain when that loss occurs? It is still love, but with a different kind of dressing, clothes. Yeah, to a small degree. I think that more so to me, as I've lost so many people in my lifetime is that I continue to love them. But as I continue to love them, that I've given myself permission to move forward and yeah. even do things in, in their honor versus staying stuck in that horrible trap of grief, which doesn't allow me to move forward. Is there such a thing as healing when it comes to grief? And what would that look like? Well, you're never fully healed. There's always a degree of a scar that can be ripped open again with something. However, as you process through this journey and travel the journey of grief, what does happen is that the pain diminishes and the frequency in which it occurs becomes less. And you give yourself credit to be able to move forward and live your life. If you've chosen to actually very intentionally heal so that you can move forward and, and honor those who have passed. I know you talk about something that's very interesting to me. It's radical acceptance in your book. That really caused my attention. Would you say that radical acceptance is the first step in the process of grief? I do things a little bit differently when I'm working in my grief coaching. And so I really believe that being able to accept that this has happened, that the person you love is not coming back is really huge because once you've done that, then you can give yourself permission to grieve. You can pr give yourself permission to heal. So I think that, yeah, that is one of the huge steps in being able to do that because if you cannot accept that they are gone, then I honestly believe you can't move forward and move forward in a healing manner. From your perspective, working with clients as a grief coach, does it take time to get to that point of radical acceptance? Or this is something that happens in a moment, an understanding in time, and that endures and stays with you? Yeah, I wish I could give you a specific timeline on this, but yeah. I think that everybody deals with it differently. Right. There's a healthy way in, in, in a timeline on that. If five years down the road, somebody's still struggling with the fact that their loved one has gone, then they've, they've not accepted it. And it's time for them to consider looking at how they're processing their loss. 
Um, okay. You know, people do go through a state of shock. Yeah. And being able to just pinpoint and go, you know what, this is this is it. I can't do anything about it. And since I can't do anything about their passing, how do I move forward? So, right. yeah, it's important to be able to accept that. And I think the circumstances make it so difficult for people to accept depending on what it is. Yeah. But I mean, the truth is, is that their loved one is not coming back. And for you, Peggy, how long did that take and what it took actually for you to radically accept that your children were not coming back? Even at the hospital with my first loss with my daughter, I remember in this moment of grief, I mean, this is within hours of her passing, is that I I literally yelled at her to wake up. And her dad so put it to me as like, it's not going to happen. And so with that, I had to accept or I accepted there in the hospital that she wasn't returning to life. It's a realization, it seems to me, my Peggy, of reality, of what is happening as real. Yeah, you know, and it's just part of, I think really part of this is understanding that death is part of that circle of life. Right, yeah. And then it's, we may not like the order in which somebody passes, that they die before us or, you know, that it's a child that that um, passes, but it's being able to understand that this happens. Yeah. I don't have to like it. Right. So acceptance does not mean that I like it, but acceptance is, it's a fact. It's a fact. Mm. I'm just one of those that really says, okay, that, that there isn't anything. I, I, I can't do anything about it. So just really straight up going, this is what it is. And now what? The situation is tough. It stinks. I often ask the question to some of my guests who have been through or are going through grief about preparing for moments like that. Do you believe that practicing radical acceptance for life itself as it is, which includes death, would that somehow ease the process of grief or would we suffer less if we practice radical acceptance before something happens? When you apply it to the grief arena and coming back to that circle of life thing and, and understanding that, that it happens, yeah. I think that the American culture has just so dramatically changed the way we grieve and that every attempt is made to keep somebody medically mm. alive. Right, true. And that... There's a point where just to realize and say, this shall be done. That's a good question. You got me a little stumped on that. So I'm just trying to figure out how the best way to say this is that to practice radical acceptance before something happens. I think being open to knowing Mm -hmm. that death is part of it's it's going to happen and understanding it, I think will help to prepare us and how you're your culture, how your family grieves, I think is part of the, the acceptance is part of that process. And as such that we're used to having somebody older pass away. Yeah. And so we're, we're used to that and we accept it, but to lose a child, it's so different. 
in terms of the timeline. But I think if you've been able to accept the loss of somebody who's older and that they're not coming back, then yes, now you're able to process and say, okay, this is where it is. So in a way, you're saying that, I mean, the word helps doesn't really fit, but in a way it helps if we had been through an experience like that, like you losing your first child, then the second would be somewhat easier. That's what it comes to me. But it seems like it, it wouldn't make it any easier. Talk to me about that, Peggy. Experiencing grief, loss, one after another, does it make it easier somehow? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't sound good to say that even. Yeah, I know it's struggling with the word easier, but yeah, yeah, right. in between the loss of my first child and my son, 28 years, I experienced other losses as well both my parents and my sister, some cousins, some friends. And so, yes, having experience that does make it more manageable to navigate the loss because I've built the resources of tools to be able to help me get through it and acknowledging that, that this is this is it, this is grief. And, and the more that we're exposed to a situation, I think the more tools that you accumulate through time to be able to make it through that. From your perspective, how different does it feel from one grief or grieving the loss of someone over another person? Is there anything in common? Do you find anything that they have in common precisely and consistently? You know, actually, for me, it was not the commonality that it was a difference that really struck a chord with me. My daughter was nine months old, died in a daycare accident. My son was 24 and he took his life. And yes, I grieved over my daughter 30 years ago. I still miss her to this day, but I felt like my grief has been so different with my son. And I've been trying to figure out why is it so different? And part of it, I just decided that it just is. Mm-hmm, right. It's had a different relationship. Yeah. You know, even in between the loss of my parents and, and all of these is that it's just been so different. I think it was also different in accepting that it was his choice um, to end his life. So that decision. But it's been very, very different. And even though I have amassed all the skills that I use now to help others in my grief coaching, I really had to tap into those resources to help me as I as I process through this. So, yeah, the description is different, but you can't really explain how different. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, Peggy, to be here in a human body? What is the reason to be here? I think we all have some sort of purpose and no matter the length of time that we're on this earth, that there is something. And I bring that just full circle with having had my daughter pass away at only nine months old in that experience that she gave us. And we don't know what it, what that purpose is so many times in the moment, but then we can look back and go, hmm, okay, this is this is what it is. So I like to focus on the future and where I'm going but I also think that it's okay occasionally to look back and go, what was that? Yeah. Why were they here? Right. And 
for me, it was my experience with her was to love her and love her unconditionally. In the things that she taught me, even with that being the first experience, is like, okay. So maybe it wasn't just the life, but that it was also to start me in being able to deal with the series of deaths that I would experience for the next 30 years. Thank you so much again for the courage of... I don't know if I can use the word courage. I think it's uh, almost like a calling of the heart of what we call soul, that purpose that we just spoke of. Maybe some of us are here to guide others to this peaceful and joyful and beautiful place within. And that might be the case with you from what I sense. Well, as you mentioned that, you know, it's now been about two and a half years since my son passed away. And I spent a year on Facebook, blogging, sharing my experience, and people were benefiting by what I was sharing when it came to the tools and resources. And I wrote a book. And that book is dedicated to my son. Had he not made that decision in his life to take, to end it, I wouldn't be writing a book. I wouldn't be grief coaching. And so it's in his honor and through God that I do this now. And so it's my passion and my experience. This is where the hindsight comes in. It's like, okay, why did I experience the loss of my sister, my parents, cousins, and my daughter before my son passed away? And now I have that. And now I can say, okay, this is why, because it was preparing me for the passing of my son. And then to be able to now take this out as a way to help others heal. I mean, when Courtney passed away 30 years ago, I didn't have support. She she was the elephant in the room. Nobody would speak of her. And now I have that strength to be able to speak not only about her, but about my son. And then the bigger elephant of the room of, of suicide. So my mission has definitely expanded and grown and and to help others because 30 years ago, I know what it's like. And I know that the child loss coupled with suicide is even that much more difficult. And for people to find help with people like myself who've experienced it, I think that that speaks volumes when it comes to being able to help somebody. I've walked in their shoes. So your book is titled Life After Child Loss, The Mother's Survival Guide to Cope and Find Joy. Did you set an intention, Peggy, when you wrote this book? Did you have something in mind? What intention did you set, if you did? Well, it was a dual intention. So I was encouraged by my friends on Facebook to write a book, and, and that's what I did. And as I started this, the company I was working with even questioned me as to whether or not I was ready to do this because it was just shortly a year after, or after, it was shortly after hitting the year anniversary mark for my son where I started on this project. And so part of that intention was to be cathartic for myself and helping myself to move through this. And the other was to be a resource in saying, okay, I've made it. This is my inspiration. These are my, this is what I've gone through. So it is an opportunity. It's not just a 
informational book. It's transformational. So as you read through this, you can see the steps that I used, the things that I tapped into, and it can be used as your own do-it-yourself grief book. I don't recommend it, though, just because we know how do-it-yourself projects go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and especially in this is that we, we need to grieve and have community in order to do this. So you could go through it and gather some tips and suggestions and ideas, but it's to really help others understand that there is hope and it's a process. It's a journey. I love the way you talked um, in the very beginning of our conversation today about finding this place of joy, of moving forward, as you call it, and then finding peace and joy again. Is that something that has been integrated? Was that an integration of what your experiences with hope, per se? Especially with suicide, it's easy to get stuck in the trap or the canyon of why and feel guilty and experience regret for not seeing the signs and symptoms. And if you get caught in that, then you don't see the light that there is hope and that there is peace and and joy because of my son he was in also a um, drug addiction re uh, program and he had been clean and sober for six years and one of the things that they teach in that program is being responsible for your actions and he embraced that and i helped him to embrace that as well and his action of ending his life was his. And so I, I gave that to him. Now, was he totally mentally healthy? Was he distraught? I don't know, but things weren't quite right. But I still have to understand that he was the one that made that choice. I didn't do it. I didn't cause him. I couldn't have cured what he was going through and I couldn't control it. Those are some big concepts in understanding that yeah, cause, care, or control, and especially when somebody chooses to end their own life. What comes to mind, it seems to me like we have very little control anyway of life itself. So many things that happen, it's out of our control. So since you talked about responsibility, I've read, I'm not sure in your biography or your book, where you talk about the connection between choices and self-responsibility and grief. So for a moment, Peggy, talk to me about the disconnection. Yeah, and the choices when we grieve is so backing up to accepting that we are this, we are now in this place. And now what do you do with it? So you can either choose to accept and move forward with your life, or you can choose to not and stay in a place where it's not healthy. There is a difference in between healthy grieving and mm. not healthy grieving right. because it's part of that circle of life. And so we just say, okay, this is part of it. And finding that balance where you feel comfortable that you can. And when you, it's setting the intention to say, okay, this is where it is. What do I do with what I have? Right. So again, it's about those choices. And we have the ability to think and make that choice. We may have the initial reaction of an emotion 
that's something that happens automatically and, and is triggered. But we can control the feelings as a result of an emotion. Mm. And it's seeking a way to say, okay, I can change how I think about how I feel. I love that idea too, this concept of being open. And you mentioned that earlier too, that word. In your book, you say, I choose to love life. I choose to process my grief. I choose to live in the moment and not to recreate what cannot be recreated. Beautifully written. I do have so many other questions for you. Talk to me about um, something that's very important. Actually, Peggy, you have in your book, there is uh, the framework for regaining joy after child loss, and you include self-care. I mean, it seems to me like everything is self-care to me generally. So talk to me about the framework for a moment. If you don't want to disclose all of them because of the time, <laughs> that would be a good idea. We can just talk about some of the key points. Yeah, you know, in this particular, in this book is the framework for regaining joy after child loss is that, and that's just what it is, is there is no specific order. In order to write them in the book, I had to get them in some order. Now, I did make them from easier tips to implement to some of the more difficult. But even talking about, we've mentioned this, talking about journaling. And, and how we can use that to process our thoughts and to process those emotions and our feelings. We can see whether we're progressing. We can see where we're struggling. It's no longer abstract. It's actually written down. And then finding your tribe. I mean, like COVID has been so hard on people who've lost a loved one because they're not able to connect with those people as they're going through this. And so it's important to find those who can support you. And with child loss, it's a unique type of support because many people do not have the wherewithal to be able to support someone who's lost a child. Because what happens is, is that it hits too close to home and they do not have the capability or the wherewithal to be able to support you. So finding those who have been through it before is huge. And I'll sidebar here just a moment on my Facebook groups. And those can be good initially, yet after a short period of time, you can easily get sucked into the mire of others' new pain. And I really recommend people that they don't stay there because it will only continue to rip the Band-Aid off time and time and time again. So it's important to maybe spend a little bit of time, but you're so raw that it's, it's difficult to be able to not feel your pain each time you see somebody else's new pain. And so finding your tribe is finding those who are going to be able to help you out. And that's where like working with a grief coach helps. And then talking about the elephant in the room, I think that's important to clear that because as a mother who's lost two children, I want to be able to talk about my children and not put other people at disease that they're uncomfortable. But just like a grandparent who's 85 years old who died, they were human and they lived on this earth. 
And when a child dies, they were human and they lived on this earth and they deserve as well to be spoken of. Um, so your work, I love the idea of radical acceptance, includes that understanding, feel, embracing self-care for physical, mental, emotional and spiritual health. When it comes to spiritual health, Peggy, what is that component for you? How do you teach or how do you guide your clients to tap into that? And I love this question. So thank you so much. Well, spirituality looks different to everyone. My spirituality is having a belief in my higher power of God. However, I give others that option to choose a higher power or God. But so many times that higher power is something that we turn to to explain the unexplainable and that which can give us peace and, and support, not like a human. And to explore that and understand that you can have the peace as a result of having the connection with your higher power. Now, I'll tell you, it's been a journey for me. I mean, 30 years ago, my mom and my sister both really wanted to wrap their arms around me along with their faith, and I wasn't ready. It wasn't until... 22 years ago that I really started down this path of having a belief in a higher power. And it's been a journey. It's been a deepening relationship with God. And I think, again, being open to that is saying, okay, I don't have control. And there are there is something out there that has more control than I have. So I give people the option. And if they want more I'm more than happy to help them with the faith in the God component. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you. Before I ask them, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Yeah. What I would really encourage, if you have experienced a loss, don't try to do this on your own. We need the community. And again, you have that choice to decide how you live the rest of your life. And if you want to be able to do something in honor and memory of your lost loved one, I suggest living a fully, living a fulfilling life is part of that. And recovering and healing, it's a journey. And so if you're considering working with a coach, then think, ask yourself a few questions. One, have they gone through it? Do they know what they're doing when it comes to that? And as for myself, yeah, I've been there. I've walked through those shoes and I still can so vividly remember what it was like. As far as the tools and techniques that they might recommend they use, have they used them personally? For me, everything that's in my book and an upcoming book are all about what I use and I know how they work and I can help to make that work for others. And then finally, it's like, where does their passion come from? Is this something that they, you know, pulled out of the, you know, graduate degree program and said, oh, I think I'm going to start grief coaching? Well, I honestly feel that my life experiences has led me up to this, including personal training and wellness coaching and nutrition, because it's all part of that bigger piece. And so I'm passionate about giving people that opportunity to move through their grief and live the fulfilling lives filled with peace, joy, and happiness. So think about those things 
the choices that you want to make and where you see yourself in a few years or spending the rest of your life. Is that in honor of your loved one? If that's the case, then it's going to be critical to be able to move through your loss. I love your work, Peggy. I mean, I love everything about you. It's just very light, very clear. I love the clarity within your presence and your work and your words. Thank you so much for that. Yes, thank you. I do have two more questions for you. What is another word for healing? Well, healing in this is is that active verb. So I really think that it's a process and part of a journey so that there's no finish line. I wish I could give you a, a definite end to it, but coming through and feeling like it's okay to feel okay. My last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I know for sure that there is that ability to love. I know for sure that there is death. And I also know for sure that there is a better place and that there's a higher power for me beyond earth. Thank you so much again for your presence, for sharing your wisdom and giving yourself to life the way you do and flowing with it. It's just to me magical to be able to do that after what you've been through. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yes. So as I described the magnitude of my loss, I consider myself to be the grief specialist. <laughs> yes, you are. The is with two E's. And it's because of that magnitude. So the griefspecialist.com, as far as the website, also Facebook, the grief specialist. And there I offer additional tips. And on my website, if you really feel a calling within your heart to learn more, schedule a brief, a brief breakthrough session with me so that we can talk and you can feel what it's like and how I have walked in your shoes and that I can be with you. And then my book, Life After Child Loss, it's available on Amazon. And it is being distributed worldwide. So you can just go ahead and order that. And then, you know, I will have a new book I'm looking at later this fall. And it doesn't have a title yet. But it's talking about hope and healing after loss in which really giving you a little bit of a different perspective versus my first book on navigating through your grief. I'll have the link on your podcast profile, all the links, actually. Thank you so much again, Peggy, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Peggy Green and her work, please visit theegriefspecialist.com. more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.